Today, we go on the road to talk to Ben Prout of Jolly View Farm. We get a fascinating behind-the-scenes look at what it takes to keep a farm going. And you'll learn that there ain't no party like a farmer's party because the farmer's party don't quit. Get a drink and take a seat. You're in the back room. Then, then, oh my God! That is a wow! Yay! Wowie! Thank wow! Look oh, wow. how cold it's that is! Water, yeah. But we keep it in glass bottles. Yeah, it's, really it's so cold. Let me tell you something. The great Ben Prout just handed us all bottles of water, and I've never felt colder water. Man, it's amazing. <laughs> just take a sip. Mm. Yeah. 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 I never thought water could be so exciting, but holy shit, it is. I like it. I like water in a glass bottle. Yes. Yeah. My mom always had a glass half-gallon milk milk bottle mm. full of when water. When they started putting sodas and things, in, and I get it for breakage, but plastic, they never get holding up the stores. Assholes. And I don't think they taste the same either. When they come out of a can and plastic mm-hmm. compared to what you used to get a bottled Coke. I think there's absolutely merit to that. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's, uh, but people it. don't know that. They just outlast the people who can complain <laughs> about it. Right. Kids yeah. today just soda soda. Let me tell you something. Anybody under thirty, um, there was a time <laughs> and it was so goddamn cold and, and it had, had had a cap on it. Yep. Mm-hmm. Uh, yes, it, it, it had the little cap removal. Yep. Yeah, yep. 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 And yeah. Most yeah. of those, you know, were seven and a half, half ounce cokes. That's exactly what they. I remember that. And you know what? They they satisfied. That was fine. That's true. And that was before an obesity problem in America. <laughs> now everything has to be in sixteen ounces or liters or. And, Man, why? Seriously, stop with stop pushing metric, oh. motherfuckers. Oh. All right. No. I mean, who I uses that metric. crap anyway, right? Thank you. We, saying. Yeah. Listen, smartass. All right, listen, commie. Matt's a communist. So I'm, a, find, I, I'm, I'm, a, <laughs> I'm a communist. He hates uh, America. Uh, Hate we call him redneck. So much. Yeah. So much America. All right, let's get into this. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Backroom Show. I'm Gary Williams. And I'm Matt Ferranda. That's right. Matt Ferranda, the current WWE Intercontinental Champion. I wrestled a lot of continents. So that's nice. Yeah. You got that going for you. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's a good thing, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, joining us today is a backroom executive producer and my lady love, the eternally beautiful, the lovely Denise Maglinski. Hi there. Hey, everybody. Say it again. Hi there. Hi there. <gasps> mm. Now, Matt, this is our first uh, road game. It is our first road game. We're, we're away for the yeah, first time. We're away from the backroom studios. Uh, located we have the in, blue uniforms on. Yeah, today. we do get to travel. Yeah. The powder blues on. Yeah. yeah. Um, so our guest today, who was kind enough to uh, have us over, is a guy that I knew in high school. He's a badass. He is, Matt, do you feel like less of a man just sitting next to him? I clearly am. This guy is yeah. everything. Let me give you a quick rundown of, of, of this guy, what he looks like. You know in every movie, the action movie, where they're getting the squad together to save a friend or whatever, and they're like, we can't do this until we get the Dutchman. We got to find the Dutchman. So they crossfade over to like a, like, a, like a smoky bar in Thailand, and they go, hey, we're looking for this guy, and the guy points over, and there's a guy arm wrestling three alligators who looks like the baddest motherfucker in the bar. That's this guy. 
that's this guy. Yeah, a whole bunch of empty shot glasses are on, on the table, yeah. that kind of thing. Yeah. yeah. And he, like, for and some, it, some reason, knows like four languages because he's had to get out right. of a few places in a hurry. He's the one who has the chain gun by the end of the movie. Bingo. Bingo. Yeah. So you get me. So anyway, this, this is a great guy. Um, uh, he and his wife, Jillian, are the owner-operators of Jolly View Farm in Olde, Pennsylvania. Please, welcome to the back room, Ben Prout. Ben Prout is in the back room, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> thank you. Yes. Ben, thank you for having us. And love the enthusiasm, by the way. Yeah, yeah. Well, c- calm down there. Uh, ben, thanks for having us. Your farm is amazing. It's an amazing drive up. I put the GPS on just in case. And when we turned on your property, it was still giving me directions. That's how, <laughs> that's how big this is. So uh, it's amazing. We're here on uh, Jolly View Farm. Tell us a little bit about how you and your wife started Jolly View Farm, where the name comes from, and uh, how long, and, and, and what you do here exactly. All righty. Um, 14 years ago, uh, my wife and I had the opportunity to start looking to buy our own farm. Um, her family came into some money. They said, knew we wanted to buy a farm, but they were, we just didn't have the savings and the, the abilities. And they said, look, this is like found money for us. We'd like to bankroll your start. So we started looking. And this particular property, we also were looking in this, this area because Jill's parents live in Perkillmanville, Green Lane, and my right. parents are from Gilbertsville. We were, wanted That's to come. about what, maybe 15 miles from here? Yes, yeah, 17 miles yeah. to her parents. Yeah. It was, but uh, this property was sitting empty, abandoned. What was it before? It was a dairy farm that went bankrupt. Okay. Their mortgage was backed by the government, by the USDA. And when they went bankrupt, the government took ownership of it and let it sit. How long was it vacant? Three years. Wow. Basically, essentially because of government red tape. Uh, so when we first looked at it, it had huge potential, but it was the fields were all 10 foot high weeds. The buildings mm-hmm. were falling down. The house was solid, but like all, all the wallpaper was off. And they're going to sell this property to a first time farm buyer program, another great government government program. yeah oh, the about, stipulations yeah. of the program being you must be less than 35 years old you must have wow. farmed between two and eight years but never have owned property and you needed you to require government financing and left-handed <laughs> and you like purple <laughs> on wednesdays wow. Yeah. wow so at that time uh we came up we had the open house you had to put an application in and there was a lottery to draw the application they drew our application first, and even though we didn't require government financing, we had worked a business plan. We could get bank financing, and her parents, um, what they did is they, they lent us a token amount to fill their own red tape requirement, and I turned 36 a week after we signed the papers wow. on this. Wow. And Talk about cutting close, right? Yeah. So it, we felt it was that time we were like... It was kind of ordained. It was just like, right. it was close to home. It's a beautiful farm. It's, it's amazing. It's a great farm. It's one of yeah. the best in Oli, like, without breaking and my you, own you were arm a, here. <laughs> and you were relatively new parents then, too, little yes, kids? Yes, we had five and three-year-old at the right. time. Wow. So. Wow. And and that's, I think that's, their, the farm is named for them? In a way? Jolly View. We wanted something happy as a farm name. Jolly View encompasses Jill, the J and the L's. My daughter's name is Polly. Right. And my son's name is Oliver, and that has the O-L-I, the and, and I'm the Prout on the there front. There you go. Prout's <laughs> jolly form. Yeah. 
You're what? And when you're what? A couple generation farmer? I know you, you guys had the poultry. Farm. I am actually a fifth generation farmer. Wow. In this area, my... where's your where's your people? Like, where where did the Prouts? I assume German, right? Of course, you're Dutch, right? Yes. Yeah, so yeah. Where they where did they originate? Well, the, my grandparents and great grandparents were down in Upper Pottsgrove area, um, in between Pottstown and Boyertown. Right. And like my my great grandfather was born in Virginia okay. Wow, okay. and moved to Upper Pottsgrove in his 20s. And he brought his father along, who was also a farmer. And, and he was a butcher and a farmer and a produce man. And his two sons, my grandfather and, and my great uncle, they split his butcher business into the poultry and red meat. Okay. And my, my grandfather took poultry and produce and his brother took the red meat. And, that, and that's how I grew up, uh, raising chickens. Right produce is there still people some form of that farm in existence no it is houses it is how oh okay the curse of the prout family is that (laughs) that the wives get the farms always and the wives cash them out ah we're looking at you jillian uh well that's great and and how long had that particular because i know all growing up the my great-grandparents farm uh he had been there since like 1912 wow my Grandparents' farm in Upper Pottsgrove, they bought that in in 1942. So, yeah, my dad's here today. He'll be 80 this year. He still helps me every day feed the cattle. But my grandmother sold that farm 10 years ago. So at the age of 70, he was unemployed and evicted from the farm that he lived on since he was four. (laughs) Oh, so that was a a family farm that he just kept going. Yep. yep. He He essentially worked for his mother his whole life. Right. Wow. Now, um, I know, of course, you grow vegetables and things, and you guys are like known for your strawberries. Um, but you've talked about to me before about um, you not a dairy farm, but what's the deal? You raise cattle, people's I cattle, custom raised dairy heifers is the okay. primary business. Right. I don't. Matt, you did that for a while, right? Yeah, but enough about my sister. But you know, <laughs> all right. I don't. Uh, I don't milk here. We right. get the calves in four months of age, raise them up vaccinate them get them pregnant do you get them pregnant well not me yeah right i, I pay eight dollars a piece <laughs> to do they, they all else come out with with crew cuts <laughs> big arms you know <laughs> move motherfucker all right whoa hey whoa well but yeah uh, then they go home to their home dairy just before they have their calf so what what is the what's the reasoning for sort of outsourcing them being raised here versus where they're being processed. Okay. Several angles on this today. I'll give you my sales spiel, but <laughs> um, in today's climate, the uh, conservation manure management. Mm-hmm. And if you have a certain amount of property, you can only spread so much manure per acre. So if you wanted to increase your cow herd, which is actually the cows, the milk that puts some money in your pocket, if you get your heifers off of your farm, you can add more cows. If you have a labor shortage, maybe you want to put your labor towards the cows, which right. put the money in your pocket, move your heifers away. Um, if so, you, have, a, so if you actually, have an acreage shortage where you don't have enough feed, but you want to have more cows. Right. So taking them away helps you have more overall. Well, it, and then you pay a little it bit should cash out. It works out on paper. Right. Ah, well, yeah. And then there's the reality. Out, but uh, yeah. it, that was the deal. And, the Northeast dairy region in the United States is about the last area to adopt this practice. Like right. in California where they have 10,000 cow dairies, they make milk. They don't 
raise any crops. They buy all their feed. Right. They have their heifers all raised. They just, the cows are there and they milk. Well, that's the old model, right? That's pretty much, it was like, you raise the cow, you milk it there. Yeah, you yeah. did it all. Right. Farmers would, in general, would rather do everything themselves. Yeah. But so for Berks County, for conservative Berks County, this was kind of a radical idea. Yeah. And none of the clients... I've ever had are local either, but the dairies that I have are larger and more progressive. I have. Mm-hmm. How does it work then? Today is it seriously? Is it like dropping off a car to get fixed, and then and then you drop it off in the sense that like you just raise it and get it ready for they being milked, and they come and get it. My, my largest client, he brings me twenty each month and takes twenty home. Right. And do they like rotate them out? Yeah, they just oh, rotate them out. Twenty a month. Crazy. He has a hundred and forty here at the time. It's seven yeah. months. That's because he's he's taken home just as they're pregnant. He'd right. rather get them home and let them gestate at home. I'm kind of curious. How did you end up then rehabilitating the farm itself once you bought it? If it were all uh, if it weeds and 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 how also too on that? How did you choose what you were going to grow here? Well. When I, this was my first property I've ever owned. is my first ownership of anything, and, and that's when I realized that I was going to be a prostitute to money. <laughs> I lived my whole life till I was 35. Money was not really an object as far as I could care less one way or the other. Mm-hmm. So I could live my life the way I wanted sure. to. Banks don't see it that way. And, uh, you know, colleges want their loans paid back. Right. Yeah. So I knew I did not want to milk cows. I had milk cows in college hated it really don't understand why people want to put their head under a cow twice a day <laughs> um but i do love animals and i've always raised all kinds of animals right and so and they, you have here at his house probably the biggest damn dog i've ever seen in my life <laughs> i mean technically i think it's a horse uh horse little kids have fear. ridden him yes yeah. Yeah. it's beautiful but anyway go ahead so we had the cattle facilities i had to come up with a business that was cattle related and i had a friend's father that did this he had sold his dairy due to health reasons, but he, he uh, talked somebody into putting heifers into his barn at that time, and I was like, you know, that's a model that could really work. So we started researching yeah. it, and we could make it work. I'm always fascinated by, by the mechanics of the whole thing, of the, of the, of the and Denise, this is your thing, the sort of earth-to-table aspect of farming. Yeah, yeah farm-to-table. It's like a big buzzword now. Well, I'm glad Jill's not here. Because what, that, she feels differently? That's her new... Angle, she's always working on me. We need to go actual have farm to table dinners here, and right. oh, they're super because, popular. Yeah, holy cow! You know what? Now I thought you were the brains, but boy, was I wrong. That's genius. Well, yeah. My wife is an excellent idea person. In the end, though, the majority of it has to come down to me. How do I make? How do I, you know, manifest her idea? It still has something. to happen, right? And I'm a little, you know, head in the sand sometimes, and old fashioned too. Ooh, I, I don't. Fair. It takes me time to get my head around an idea. It's like mm-hmm. this, the pick-your-own-strawberries. I mean, the whole produce idea was you were asking about how do we decide what to do here. When I left my parents' farm, I swore I would never pick produce again. I was done crawling around on my hands and knees. But when, once we had our own place, I could make more dollars per acre on those acres than I can with the crops or even feeding the crops to the cattle. So, right. And I knew how to do it. So we opened a stand, and we and then Jill wanted strawberries, and my pop-up always had strawberries, yeah. She's like, no, I want pick-your-own-strawberries. I says, nobody's going to come pick their own strawberries. <laughs> right. yeah. That's crazy. Yeah, your mind, you know. Right. So we planted a limited, like a, like a half an acre, because I was only going to plant what I figured I could pick or I could handle picking. 
the people came like the old field of dreams if you're planning <laughs> yeah. right like yeah. three quarters on facebook three, and it's huge three quarters of my strawberry sales are pick your own i mean wow. we still pick a lot and we sell over the counter we're ready right. picked if you like but it is really majority of it's pick your own and mother's clubs and you know we're really kid friendly we like them to have fun and that's you know, my chickens are loose. We have a pet turkey. The uh, we dogs, saw a couple of turkeys in the yeah. wind. The yeah. dogs all yeah. is mellow as heck, you know, so oh, the yeah. kids can just, can, uh, just come out. Be outside. Kids don't go outside yeah, anymore. Right. You could feel, when we turned on, you could feel just that. Uh, but it's also, you know, I don't know. It just seems, it feels well, so goddamn. I'm, I'm moving in, Ben. I'm moving in. Hey, there's rooms upstairs, Gary. Perfect. As long yeah. as you stay a fist length. Right <laughs> all times. That'll Gary. be in the show notes. Right. Yeah. Now, let me go back a little bit. Um, you want, you actually went to Penn State for agriculture, right? Yes, I did. Um, tell us a little bit about that, because people have this image of, like, the straw in the mouth, leaning on the fence, going, yeah, shit-kicking farmer, and you are anything but that. My story for that is when I, before my senior year of high school, my grandparents sat me down and said, you, you're too smart to be a farmer. You should go to college. There's not, there's no place for you here. Because at that time, my life plan was I was just going to get out of school and keep working. I loved doing it. Mm-hmm. I loved it ever since I was a little kid. And I was really crushed about that. So my mom was my biggest cheerleader and got on board. And she had gone to Penn State. And she's like, you know, Penn State has ag programs. If you can't be a farmer, you can be involved in agriculture. Mm-hmm. So it's the only college I applied to, and I got accepted, and I went. Still thinking I was never going to be a farmer. Right. I, uh, I took the agricultural science program, which is the most general degree in ag you can get at Penn State. Most people pick that as a major and then move out of it when they want to move into dairy science, animal science, when they figure out what their specialty is. Okay, you know? right. Like animal husbandry and yeah. stuff, right? Okay. I freaking loved it. Because I could take anything. My it was wide open for me for my credits. And I, I had I had welding, I had carpentry, I had blueprints, I had block laying, I had electricity, I took a butchering class, wow. I had soil science, agronomy. I had it all. So the biggest thing about college for me, which I think is much more important, is I was so naive when I left Boyertown. I thought I knew everything and I thought it was a big wheel. <laughs> and I went to college and what a world opened up. Main campus, right? Main campus. Okay. And the, the people that I met, and I, they're my best friends yet today, and none of them are farmers. You know, mm-hmm. they're, they're they, the whole spectrum of occupations. Mm-hmm. But the experiences that I had there, and uh, it made me more confident. It made me better in social groups. It made me a better manager of things. Uh, I was in a fraternity. We used to do a charity, and we used to manage mm-hmm. a charity and manage a group of people living together. You know, 40 guys living together. You all have to pull the load together, get the house stuff cleaned and uh so i would recommend going away to college for anybody just to expand your horizons do you feel like a better farmer like thank god i did that because i'm so much more because it's people whatever you think it is riding a tractor like holy cow are you kidding me you're chief cook and bottle washer right yes i people have that it's the wrong perception of farmers like like you say riding a tractor that is my favorite thing to do. I do very little tractor riding <laughs> right. comparatively. More time like, doing tractor rides Honestly, for your I'm, friends, a, right? I'm Mostly, they should just qu- quantify me as like a materials mover. Okay. I bring the crops in from the field and put them in the silo. I take it from the silo and I put it into a 
um, feed wagon, feed the cattle. The cattle go through it, shit it out. I move it, go <laughs> shit out right. into the pit. When the pit gets full, I move it out into the manure spreader and put it back on the field. Mm. I, I spend most of my time driving a skid loader. I drive a skid loader two or three hours every day. I, I saw it out there, yeah. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. Um, it's and not I, all the tractor driving, and it's, yeah. well, one it's veterinary. I'm, I'm pretty interested in, um, we were talking about this a little bit on the way down, without getting too inside baseball, the, the financial aspect of it. How does one decide or, or come to determine how much an acre worth of crop is, and, and how do you price it out to break even at the end of the day? See that's a that's a big can of worms you want to open. Yeah, that's a that's a, that's a skull scratcher. Are, farmers right? are price takers, not price makers. But but for me, uh, I figure in like for for an acre of corn, you know, I've got my land use, my taxes, which or if you rented land would be land rental. Your land has a value: seed, fertilizer, fuel, equipment maintenance, my time. Um, divided by mm -hmm. so and so and then yeah. at the end you have harvest costs and storage costs or drying costs and all that cost per acre that's what it costs well then you and you see how many tons you got of this or how many bushels you've got of that at what price did you make money or not the animal route putting it through the animals I, is always more secure route than like straight raising corn to sell on the open market mm -hmm. what do you mean the Price of corn for a grain corn, that's all speculative. Chicago Board of Trade, there's a bit of basis with it because we're so far from the Midwest and the infrastructure in the Midwest. So they add the prices a little better in Berks County because the East Coast is a high grain usage area. Mm -hmm. And so they pay you more for it locally than having to rail it in or truck it in from the Midwest. But the price is what they say it is. Right. Same way in the spring when you planted it, the price of your fertilizer and seed is is what they say it is. And all you can do is you're out there wow. hoping you get the weather to get the yield, to right. get more than you spent. No farmer ever knows what he's going to make for the year, ever. It's oh, interesting. See, that's where I get it. I have a chip on my shoulder because I feel close to God that way. Because right. I fight the weather. Right. Mm. Yeah, I have the ultimate caveat. Yeah. Uh, well, that you don't, it's that you not don't just know. the weather. Like, so I, I find it kind of amazing because we grew up in the 80s, right? Okay, maybe not Matt, but we grew up in the <laughs> 80s. And, you know, there was this enormous farm crisis, right? And here you are in the 80s deciding to go into farming. That's kind of crazy, right? Mm. Did Most it get better for a while? it was a little crazy. Yeah. Oh, it, it got better after the 80s. Um Thank you, Willie Nelson. Yeah. Yeah. Right. <laughs> All that farm aid horse shit. <laughs> In general, I just wish people would let me alone. People ask, well, can't the government help you? Don't you have to get government subsidies? Can't you do right. this? And the, and the farm aid, that's all, that's all media stuff, you know. I would rather just, if somebody just let me make enough money so I can wind up owning my farm and I can send my kids to college, you know, I don't need to be buried with, with a casket lined I don't. I don't want to go to the shore. Right. I don't want a mountain house. I love my place. Right. I'm here seven days a week. Right. Yeah, yeah. I'm thinking the shore is probably not a really good time for you to go on vacation, no. right? No. So what do you do all winter? It's true. Yeah, get fat. Okay. <laughs> uh, like my, a bear. My work schedule yeah. essentially goes with daylight hours. Like okay. in the summer, I wake up when it gets light out, and I'm usually done at nine ish at night. Right. Winter time, it gets dark at four thirty. Mm -hmm. I'm in the house. Well, is tomorrow ever going to get la, here, la, you know? La, so right. it's a lot of bad television and, you know, 
messaging Gary on Facebook. <laughs> is it a lot of repair and stuff? But a I phenomenal do a lot of new podcast repair. to listen to, though. Yeah, a yeah. great podcast to listen to the, oh, yeah. this winter. No, but a lot of It'll repair. be a better winter then. Yeah. Yeah. That's right. <laughs> right. Brought go. to you by the Backroom the Network. Backroom Network. Um, and sort of touching on what Matt said, what is the thing that people should know about the present and potential future state of farming? It is unsustainable. What they should know is that they don't realize how cheaply they are eating. Their food is, we're like one of the lowest countries in the world, the percentage of income spent on food. Is that right? Yes. It's a huge, you know, the old bread basket of America. We feed the world and we've been living on that old wives tale for, but they don't realize how cheaply that they eat. The cheapness of food it has farmers whittled down. We're in this situation, I was I said before, about we're price takers and stuff like that. And that's the reason there are government programs. It's easier for the government to help bolster agriculture because farmers are down to less than 2% of the population in the United States now. No kidding. If it's shrinking, but yet obviously the population's never been higher, how does, how does those ratios work out? That man, we'll have to be here for hours because <laughs> that that gets whole, into the whole uh, GMO and chemical use and stuff. Mm. We agriculture has been able for the last sixty years or since World War II, essentially expand, expand, expand production on less and less and less acres. But now we've reached this point where people are have are have been fed enough and they're fat enough that they start to think about and they take on an opinion about what's right and what's not. It's got to be a breaking point, right? It's going to be a breaking point yeah. somewhere. And I don't have a, I don't necessarily disagree with people t- that talk about chemical usage or even GMOs and stuff like well, that. Denise, you had a question about that. I, Go ahead. I did want to I'm ask sorry. about, you know, what are your thoughts on GMOs? Because I will say that when I first heard people like, you know, in an uproar about GMOs, I was like, oh, yeah, it's all bad. It's all terrible. But at the same time. Not necessarily true. The GMOs that are available in agriculture right now are um, essentially tools to make raising the food cheaper to give given a farmer he spends less on chemicals if i Mm. I use gmos i have roundup ready corn the whole glyphosate thing that that chemical is so cheap compared to other weed herbicides preventatives um if i plant that corn it saves me money in raising it it doesn't the gmo does not necessarily make it more abundant, you know, make your harvest bigger. It doesn't, it doesn't you know, you don't get it's all not bushel miracle boost. Grow, right? No, it's not miracle grow. Right. It's another tool. Now, I've always felt that maybe we shouldn't be so arrogant and be fooling around with taking a gene from something that doesn't belong in something and putting it somewhere else. Right. So that's where I could, I mean, I wouldn't argue that someday we're going to find out maybe something is wrong with this GMO. A lot of things we've developed over you know, the history of the United States, it turned out to be bad things. They seem like miracles. Asbestos, uh, DDT, glutamide. Yeah, you know, right. uh, yeah. it may turn out that way. But the way having those GMOs at this time allows us to keep increasing production to meet the population demand. Right. And, and, and some of the things you were saying about resistance, like they'll take, like, they'll try to like make like sort of a, a bug resistant strain from one plant and add it to like a crop so that it'll. Well, that you can that get something? that in corn. It's, it's BT. It's the gene in there is actually toxic to certain corn pests. So oh, the bu- okay. bugs land on the corn and eat that and the bugs die. Right. I don't need to go spray a pesticide then. And I don't need to watch my crop get eaten by the pests. I, right. I always have to make that choice all the time. There's another thing with growing the crops is like you go out there and say, oh. Well, I got a problem with my corn now. It's going to cost me more money 
if I go and treat this with a chemical? Or do I just crapshoot it and say, well, we'll see, mm-hmm. see what we get in the end. Right. Either way, I'm going to lose money. I'm going right. to lose an end either way. Right. Well, you and know. then does it also have lasting effects on your soil if you're using chemicals Well, that's, on that? that's really what people Good are point. getting into now is that we don't know lasting effects on the soil or even in a human body. Is anything changing in a human body? I'll give the people that. But I know for me, using GMOs, I use less volumes of chemicals. And it can't be bad, right? At least well, definitely in the, in the, in the short term. It can't right? be bad, but then again, anything that kills something, Gary, can't be good for everything. Oh, that's a good fucking you point, know? Ben. That's a good point. You know, buddy. hey, it's all right to spray the corn with this. Yeah. Well, if it kills something, right. it's a killer. Because we don't know yet. It, we it, don't it, know. If we didn't apply it to this, you know, maybe there's so, something in certain genetic I don't wanna, makeup. I don't want to sound, you know, middle of the road on this issue, but mm-hmm. for me financially, I have to use them. So if it comes to a breaking point where they where they outlaw this stuff or whatever, okay, well then then you've set a benchmark. Okay, you're saying this farmer's I'm only going to be able to raise this amount of food, and your population's going to keep growing. Who decides who starves? The people that didn't want the GMOs. You know, eventually we're going to we can't feed ourselves. Yeah. I haven't eaten it, in two weeks. Excuse me, is that organic mm-hmm. or is that GMO? <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's a yeah. really good point. I mean, and that's kind of doomsday talk, but in another generation. <laughs> It's, and that's why I say about people don't know what they pay for for food is is I operate on a razor's edge here financially all the time and every farmer I know and that's that's normal that's how I grew up that's normal operating procedure mm-hmm. uh, it's just how much more can you ask from me without giving me anything more right. you know any more money back if I have to use a different chemical or a different process organic it's going to cost me more money or it's going to take more money for me to live. So that means you're going to have to give me more for my product. Boom. It's it. Simple. Now, I, I'm confused because I remember Green Acres, and he was rich and had a farm. Yeah. So you're telling yeah. me that's not the way to get rich? Of course, I guess he came rich, right? That's old, yeah. There's an old Dutchman saying around here, it's always better to farm with money than for money. <laughs> what do you feel about, uh, what do they call them, gentlemen farmers? The kind of guy that owns the land and checks in once in a while. How's it going, Sully, you know? Exactly. I put up with them. Yeah. Ben's, Ben's making a face, but you know what? I don't want to. Well, I, 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 I don't want to alienate your customer I'm a, base. I'm so. a real snobby elitist, you know. I mean, <laughs> Clearly, just, yeah, uh, he's sitting here wearing a, uh, a, a sleeveless shirt. Oh, this is my Larry the Cable Guy shirt <laughs> from TSC. You know, right. well, you don't want to have right. that traditional farmer tan. That's how no, it's done. Yeah, no, no, I like ben, to go full. He's, he's full sleeve. <laughs> yeah, you're yeah, full sleeve. Some white underneath. So I, I'm curious, like who who mostly is buying your product? Talk about the produce. Our biggest part of our produce right now is a box delivery CSA. Yeah, yeah. Explain what that is. Community supported agriculture is what CSA is for. The people sign up, they prepay me at the beginning of the season, and then through the growing season here this summer, they get a box of a certain amount of produce for 15 weeks. All and through the typical growing season, Pennsylvania. Um, do you get what you get? Like eat, this week, it'll include X, Y, and Z, or do they pick and choose? Or it includes X, Y, and Z. Okay, I, I grow in produce here. Almost anything you can grow in Pennsylvania throughout the summer. I saw so on it's Facebook. Different it's amazing. Every week. Okay, and, but it, that's another thing. I we kind of like to educate people about the seasonality of food. Also, anymore, nobody knows that anymore. I had people in the driveway today looking for sweet corn. It's almost impossible to get sweet corn in Pennsylvania for the Fourth of July unless you raise it under a tunnel or under plastic. I don't know if you've ever seen the fields that have plastic yeah, laid. Yeah, actually have, yeah. Well, that's a false oh, greenhouse. They plant uh-huh. corn, and the dirt's humped up, and the plastic stretched over the top. It makes a tiny greenhouse to uh, get it started. I always assumed that they were growing pot. 
I, I hope it's <laughs> well. Yeah, the, the the corn is a cover <laughs> exactly. Right. You know, and what right. we and there's always a few people every year because the first week of our CSA, we always start and we have strawberries. Everybody's happy with strawberries, but you get like yeah. kale, spinach, yes. spring onions, and they're like, uh, you know, when they think produce, they're they're thinking tomatoes, you know. Right. And, and I'm like, that's not in season yet. It doesn't right. come around. Right. And uh, but so the box, just to be clear, the box is. What you're featuring that week. Like this week it has well, this, had, and this and like this and this. Next time it might have. This past week was our fourth delivery. We had green string beans, yellow string beans, sugar snap peas, kohlrabi, cabbage, broccoli, cauliflower, the first tomatoes, cucumbers, zucchini, and yellow squash, That's and raspberries, right. and Rainier cherries mm. from Shanesville. You guys do raspberries? Yeah. Yeah, I'll be grabbing some of those on the way out. Thank you very much. Yeah, wow, think, that's great. Well, now, you guys like, have your, what, it's the Strawberry Jam Festival thing? What is it again? Strawberry Jam. Yeah. yeah, yeah, what is that? Very quickly. My wife cooked that up a couple of years ago because she's a partier. Get it. We It's always the first Saturday in June, two to eight, and... And you try to, it coincides with strawberry picking, right? Yes. Okay. Yes. It's always that first weekend in June because that's typically the biggest flush of strawberries. That's strawberries come in at Memorial Day. Um, we set up a stage here in the yard, three or four bands playing all day, hay rides, barrel rides, pick your own strawberries. You can buy strawberries. We had Allenbach Winery here making wine, strawberry slushies with oh. our wine slushies Hell with yes. our strawberries. Yes. We, my cousin makes the shortcake. Jill buys heavy whipping cream from Long Acres and makes the whipped cream. We cut up like 80 quarts, sliced strawberries to go on. We get Long Acres ice cream. We got 40 quarts of Long Acres ice cream. And you're killing me, buddy. But it's, it's just come spend a day. You can pick strawberries. You can buy strawberries. You can eat hamburgers, hot dogs. My mother-in-law made 60 pounds of potato salad. Wow. Wow. You know, so it's all whole family. And so what, you left about 20 for everybody else yourself? (laughs) It's a... It's been a lot of fun. Yeah. I've never been to one, but I, I see all the pictures. And it looks like so much damn fun. Like, Vujade was here, right? Yes. She's yeah. one of my favorites. Kim's one of my favorites. Oh, I want to get her on the show. She is so cool. But I have a question about, do you find that now um, smaller farms like this, um, do they do things like that to, to support? Um, you you want to get that phlegm out of your throat there, buddy? That's staying in. Of course it is. Of course it is. But for for... Family farms, do they have a lot of festivals things like that to supplement income uh, throughout the year? Absolutely. Any of that kind of stuff, they call it agritainment. It's, it's a, it brings dollars. You guys do the maize, right? I don't do a maize. Now, no, the do. Holy Turnpike Dairy does the maize for mm-hmm. years, the pumpkin patch and the maize. And Wilcox Farms does a big corn mm-hmm. maize. And, uh, yeah, those type of things, honestly, traditionally, I would, I would rather not have it. Because yeah. I just want to, I want to be left alone. It a lot. But it's think, dollars. Well, but don't you think there's a second level to it? I mean, one that day you're bringing in some cash at the event itself, but then two, you're also making more people aware that you're here oh, yeah. and we have your yeah. CSA. It was, it's definitely point. always brings me more CSA members. You know, yeah. people actually get here. Yeah, so and pick a plane, Ben. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if they're fun, Gary, because. I've worked all ten of them that we've had, and I've never heard a song that any of the bands played. I am, yeah. I am wherever. I you're, am, you're humping. I'm it. Yeah. And I would imagine to to bring in a, an event uh, coordinator is just more money you're taking out of the pocket to do that sort of thing. They're very much oh, so. Yeah. We tried that one year about our fourth one. We actually subbed that out to a right. guy, got the bands and whatever, and and uh, it was a disaster. You yeah. know, Ben, I think we need some more. 
hay bales over on this corner. Oh, shut up. You know, do okay. ya? Yeah, do, do you? Yeah, do you? Do you? Um, Let me introduce you to the baler real quick. Hold on one sec. <laughs> exactly. Do you? Uh, yeah, so like, what about local restaurants? Do, like, do they use the local food? We at one time there was a chef up at the Oli Valley Inn when we first started. He would he would get our produce and put that on his menu every week. Um, there's been talk this summer that over at uh, Creekside, which is the old Pleasantville Diner, right. she, she would like to get stuff from us because uh, my daughter's been working over there and stuff. Again, I'll go back to the uh, Brooks County thing. There's not a lot of premium type places local here well it's interesting you say that though uh for listeners of the show they're aware that i I just moved back from portland oregon and farm to table is a huge industry there because there is such an interest in getting that fresh produce and they make events out of it and it is a premium price that you're paying um and i just don't see the sustainability of that here in in burks county where no one really cares about that sort of I thing. I don't think that's true. I don't I think know. There are a lot of people, and I think if it were more available, I want to eat the freshest food possible. I don't want food that got trucked here from the Midwest. What's the point of that? And so, another question. So, we don't live near any farm stands. I mean, it's 25 minutes to get here, but we live five minutes away from the farmer's market. So, I walk around the farmer's market, and they have signs. California strawberries, and I'm like, well, that's not local. Yeah, like, like yeah, are, are they, they just are they using boxes? Like, are they not local farmers? That's a really good question. The farmers markets I've been involved in, no, most of the time it's not local, or it's a there's such a a uh, broad definition of local. Like, you, some places are up to like considered with, within 150 miles is local. Wow, that's so funny. Another question? Yeah, so I want to know what uh, what do you grow here that you just don't eat? Salad. Surprisingly, a lot of it. Really? I don't like vegetables. <gasps> oh. No. In in the, a broad sense of the word is, I don't like cooked vegetables. I don't like the texture. Never have. I love raw cauliflower, raw broccoli, raw spinach, mm. shell peas out in my hand. I don't really. I like corn on a cob, and I we freeze corn for winter. I like corn. I like string beans cooked. I like red beets cooked. I will not eat a squash on a bet. Um, <laughs> See, it's not just me. Wow. There you go. Uh, Thank you, Ben. I know how to cook them all, and I give my customers suggestions, and I know what's good quality, and I know you know when it's going to taste best. I just do not prefer most of them. Are you a good wow. cook? I am an excellent cook. Yeah, I, Can't you I, tell? I ah! <laughs> all right. Um. So this is because everything I know from movies and TV about farmers and farming. Have you ever had a weary traveler spend the night in your barn? Mm. Like in a traveling barn. salesman? Yeah. I go, oh, it's raining out there. Stay in the barn for a while. No. <laughs> but the movies say it's going to happen. I have had strangers stop here. We're cordial. I've helped them out, run out of gas. Uh, one of the beauties of my place, you talk about the long driveway, is, you know, we're isolated. There's no traffic noise. There's no, no inf- we know when somebody's coming in the That's driveway. That's a good point. There's right. got to be a reason they're coming. Yeah. Um, That's true. There's no, you're not going, I'm passing through to go to somewhere else. You're no. coming here. You're coming here. That's right. it. Yeah. And the snipers nest all over. Really. Everybody really was another down. big thing yeah. about buying the farm. Yeah. Our kids were little at the time. Like, Hey, you know, we don't have to worry about them riding their bikes and being snatched That's or true. people taking them. I mean, they're, they're safe here. Was they this were, where all the kids would come play their friends? Yes. Hell all yes. their friends come here. And that's what was a dream of my wife. She's like, I want this to be the place where everybody hangs out. And and it 
it came with a swimming pool. Well, yes. Right. And over the years, we've had several of their friends live with us, you know, uh, family troubles. We've had four or five different girls that right. spend a year with us. That's awesome. Just so they have a safe place to be. And by the way, we're having Jillian on too next time because she's clearly the fun one. <laughs> she is fun. She, I'm the old stick in the mud. There you go. Um, so is there anything, because again, Ben is a, is a prototypical farmer. He's a, Big, strong, strapping hands made out of, you know, like a, like baseball mitts, hard work and regular man. But is there something that you're embarrassed to admit that you're afraid of, like like cats or the wind or something? Oh, I'm <laughs> deathly afraid of snakes. Snakes. Well, that's pretty reasonable. Say, I mean, that's, something that's silly. Not, yeah. Like you see a bag of marshmallows and you lose your shit or something. No, no. I mean, I can pick a garter snake up, but that's it. You yeah. know, other than that. Yeah, but nothing weird. Like, oh, a can of paint. Ah. I can't. Uh, I can't. <laughs> monsters. I can't watch. I can't Dirt. watch people put contacts in. Oh, that's Insert. a good oh one. God, yeah. Oh, yeah, oh that's it's pretty good. Eye, their own eyes. My eyes start to water. <laughs> like, oh, that's pretty that. good. And my kids would do it at the dinner table. My daughter can, you know, like. Dude, turn her eyes up, yeah. do the white right. thing. And she was yeah. like, hey, dad. I'm like, eh. Oh, the eyelids in. My, my roommate in college has the craziest phobia about people touching their eyes. He would have to get up and leave when someone would put contacts in. He couldn't handle it. Wow. How about like needles and things? No, okay with that? I've been diabetic for 25 years. I take several shots. Oh, a day. So that's nothing now. It's nothing, nothing. now. Okay. <laughs> All right. So uh, give us the quick plug uh, for Jolly View Farm. Um, uh, your hours, your phone number, how people can reach out and uh, do business with you. Uh, Prouts Jalaview Farm, uh, Route five six or six sixty two and only the Memorial Highway. We will be opening probably the seventh of July. We'll be open till Labor Day, ten to five daily. Corn, tomatoes, any produce you can get, pick right. fresh daily. And uh, phone number? Did you say phone number six one zero. Two nine one two three six nine. That is my wife Jillian, and she handles logistics of okay. phone calls. And they're on um, Facebook. Get all the info and uh, all the information about the CSA and stuff like that. Ben Proud, this has been amazing. You are definitely coming back. Um, you're such a smart guy, and I just want to thank you again. So, uh, yep. so just keep loving each other, right. and we'll see you next time in the back room. Hey, you. You're so great. Thanks for listening to The Backroom Show. Be sure to check out Day Drinking Save My Life also on The Backroom Network. And don't forget to like and follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Instagram.